in John. Hallelujah. What was the gal's name that sang in the church down in Texas, the big church, and then she went, moved off to Nashville and got a big name for herself? Carrie Job. She sang a song about Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's it or not. I had it earlier and I lost it. I'm pretty sure it was a Carrie Job song. may be what we're looking for here, if I can think of it. You're looking? We have sang the song here before. I just came. I lost it. I had it and I lost it. I know that song, but I don't think that's the one I was looking for. Anyway. Testify. Even as the rain brings life, doesn't it? How's it go? <laughs> it's not it either. Anyway, we'll let that one slide, I guess. Oh, we're gonna let it go. I got you I got you thinking so I'm gonna let it go now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Testimony. As you all know, this past Wednesday was my and Jack's forty ninth wedding anniversary. Forty nine. See, we can have, we've been together so long, we have arguments without saying anything. If I decide to do something that, that, that's going to make him mad, I know what he's going to say to me, I know what I'll say to him, and then I know what he's going to say back, and then I know what I'll say, and I'll still get to do what I want to do. So it just cuts down a lot on on the... Yeah, it's, it's, it works out pretty well for me. 
Anyway, so we, we like to celebrate for several days rather than just one day. Um, and so Tuesday night, we went out to a restaurant here in town. And as we sat down, as we passed by a table, we heard this little, little voice going, Papa! And I just thought it's a kid, you know, hollering, talking to their grandfather. And we sit down, and I look over, and there is Marlo, our newest, our newest granddaughter. Well, Marlo was very certain that it was Papa and KK. And so when we rec- noticed her and started talking to her, she was so excited and wiggled all over. And she got down and she had to come give us hugs. And they, she was with her uh, dad's parents and her dad and some other relatives. And, and uh, they were just mystified, you know, who this, these strange people were that Marlo was hugging and having this conversation with and it was just it was such a delight for us to get to see her you know in an unexpected place it was like a little gift from the Lord and we talked about that on the way home so Wednesday we actually worked all day and we're so tired we just didn't do anything but then Thursday night we decided to drive over to the lake to a restaurant there on the lake and and to eat and uh, as we were sitting waiting for our food we look up and there comes Derek and Rachel to have dinner and so we talked them into joining us and again it was one of those gifts from the Lord you know it was we didn't have to usually if the girls are with them they're trying to get our attention and we don't ever get to talk to Derek and Rachel because the girls are taking up all the air and uh, it was just a really really another gift from the Lord so I just want to thank him this morning that that uh, he sends us rain when we need it he sends us family when we need it He sends us everything that we need in his time, and he blesses us uh, in ways that we couldn't even dream of, and he does it all just because he loves us. Ronnie was telling me of, of a family that had lost a son a few years back in the oil field related. The Smiths. And last night they lost their other son to a car wreck. And so I don't know you can understand a little bit of the pain but unless it's really happening to you you don't 
get the fullness of that. But I, I know that they are a family that needs the peace of God in their lives right now. So we just lift up the Smiths to you, Lord. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and minister peace to that family. And I, I don't think we'll have the knowledge of what this is about until we enter heaven. But we can't have peace, and I ask you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're glad you're here this morning. Kay said this is Pentecost. I, <clears throat> I don't think you'd have to be around me very long to know that I'm not one that is <coughs> high on the the uh, recognizing all of the events of the Bible from Pentecost on. But I do realize that and know that uh, they're all fulfilled in Jesus. And that for me... It's to look to Jesus. And if you, if you want to do the, the uh, what's the word for that? If you want to do the feast, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. If you want to do the feast, that's, I'm fine with that. And I can do them with you. But for me, I'm, I'm wrapped up in Jesus. All the feasts are wrapped up in Him. And if I'm looking to Him, then I'm good. I'm, I'm in the right place. And uh, there was a for me, there was purpose in the Jesus' coming. It was to fulfill. He says, I didn't come to uh, take away the law, but to fulfill it. And so, out of that, uh, we can find it in Genesis 22 where God asked Abraham to give him his son, his only son. So in that story, there's a lot of truths because we know that Abraham fathered Ishmael. He's like 15 years older than than uh, 
Isaac. But if you realize what God is saying, if you look at it from the truth, He's saying, uh, Isaac was the promise, not Ishmael. He was not the promise. And you get, you get to see the idea that when a husband and when a man and a woman take husband and wife, become husband and wife, he says, you're now one. Well, that means that Sarah was a part of that promise. Not Hagar. She was not part of the promise. When God said to Abraham, you'll have a son. He was talking to Abraham and Sarah. Because they're one. The two shall become one. And it's in that story there that God proves to us that that's the the way it is. That's the way He designed it to be. So, we're stuck it out because we're one. <laughs> right? Sometimes. <laughs> we were one. It says... God shows, well, that whole story that is about Him being able to send His Son, Jesus. Without, without Abraham's obedience and giving His Son, God could have never sent His Son. He had to have that. It was part of the... the uh, condition to do. Couldn't do it without that. Because God had given dominion to man. And man had given that up. So we see that then that in Deuteronomy 6.23 it says that he brought them out. And he's talking about Israel being in Egypt. Or in our context, it's us being in a, a sinful nature. This is where we were until God came and made a way. And he said, he said, I brought you out so that you could come in. And the coming in refers to uh, the promise. He'd promised Israel the, the land. And he said, I brought you out to bring you in. Purpose. There's always a purpose in the things of God. If God says this or does this, there is a, a purpose in it. 
And the purpose was that we, that we'd be able, and going into the promised land is a, is a type of the Holy Spirit. So we've already come out of Egypt. Now we're going into the promise. And the, that the promise was, as Jesus says, He says, I must go, leave you. I must go, so that He, Holy Spirit, might come. So our Pentecost is tied up in Jesus. It's tied up in the promise. It's tied up in Abraham being willing to give his son. It's all, it's all together. You can't separate any of it. Jesus says in his short ministry, that three years of ministry, 30 to 33, it was too short. But Jesus says, I must go so that he might come. And if we, there's an example in the Bible there in, in uh, I'm not sure what chapter and verse. Let me think on it here in a minute. He says that when the Israelites came and were getting ready to go into the land of promise, that the, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they all asked to not go in. That let, them have our, let us have our land on the east side of the Jordan. And it says in the Bible of that story, it says that God was angered by that. And that he, he was so upset with them for not wanting to go in that he wanted to kill them. I think Joshua intervened. And God relented and said, only, you can only do this by going in and fighting with your brothers. So it's the same. They, didn't, they don't get the land of promise, but they did get to do what they... <laughs> They had to do to get it. So it, it cost them the same. It's the same with them. I, I think, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And it says, wait, wait for Him. Go and wait. And they did. And we have Pentecost. And the evidence of it was Holy Spirit coming and dwelling 
and in filling people. And they have the mystery of it. So how can that be? And in John 3, and starting there in verse 1, is the story of Nicodemus asking Jesus, coming to him at night and saying, Lord, how is it? How, how can we do that? And Jesus said, unless a man be born again. And Nicodemus says, Lord, how, do you, how can you do that? How can you go and be born again? How, how can we enter into a mother, our mother's womb to be born again? And he asked him the question. He says, don't you, at being a teacher, don't you know? Don't you know what I'm talking about? And because of that, we hear and begin to understand. I, I was I made mention of this before. One of the, it's not only a scary scripture to me, but a worrisome. You can, if you want to think about it. God, He says, "Depart from me, for I never." knew you. This is talking to somebody that thinks that they know God. They thought they knew God. To me, that's a scary scripture. God in us, the hope of glory. God in us, the hope of glory. How, how does that, that wipes away that scary. But when you think about people not wanting to go in, people who died in the wilderness that had come out of Egypt. How many of them were there that died in the wilderness because they wouldn't go in? Because they refused to do what God asked them to do. He gives us everything we need, which was Holy Spirit, so that we can understand and know what God is saying and what He's doing. We'd have that knowledge of understanding. We have the knowledge of understanding because the Holy Spirit will reveal that to us. He says, he told Nicodemus that <clears throat> he said, I can, I will show you I'll tell you, you will know. 
So that's, that's our understanding of who we are in Christ. We can hear His voice. We can know what He's saying. We can know what to do or not to do. How many of you have ever had that uh, experience of Holy Spirit coming and saying, don't do that. Don't do that. And you go ahead and do it anyway. What's the end result of that? Not good, right? Never good. But Holy Spirit, it resides in us now because Jesus made a way. He's the one that made the way. And I made this statement a few weeks ago. And uh, in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit. In that, there is a balance that it's not all Jesus, it's not all Holy Spirit, it's not all God. There's a balance. If there's, you have to have balance. There's three parts and they're equal parts. So, what is the, the nature of it to us? What's, what's the point in it to us? God's asking us to believe what He has given us. Believe that Holy Spirit will come, dwell in us, teach us, show us. All things. Not withholding anything that we might know Him in the fullness of who He is. Right? God. That we would know God in the fullness. That we won't hear that, depart from me, I never knew you. That we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Now I'm done. Short enough. Rusty's looking at his watch. I'm going to. Just got a lightning strike alert. Lightning in our pay line.
Now, uh, everything you were talking about was something that the Lord, all week, well, actually, for months I've been in Colossians where he said, Paul said that it's been up to him to make known the riches of the glory, of the mystery, which has been hidden for the ages and the saints, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's just been weighing on me of Paul's carried this pressure, this, this uh, responsibility of my job is to reveal this mystery. It was a mystery this whole time till now that Christ is in you and um, the hope of glory. And of course, glory, you know, we've talked about before, it's just kind of an iffy word in the Bible because it's all over the place. And if you are not a Christian, like when I've been around people who are not ever been in church, they don't know what that word means. You can say glory all day long and they're just like, huh? Because, but to us, it's like, oh, we need the glory. Lord, send your glory. It's common to us. But in this particular verse, it, so it translated it as doxa in the Greek. And the Septuagint, that's Brent, I've learned this word from Brent, the Septuagint. It's a, it is the, tran, the truest translation they have from the Hebrew back in like the third century, that they translated it into the Greek. And so if it's from the Septuagint, it's as close to Hebrew as it can. And the word doxa is what they picked for glory. And the word doxa means to have an appearing, to suddenly appear, to realize, to have an understanding, an acceptance. And so he's saying that the mystery is that it's Christ in you, the expectation of an appearing. He's already in you. And this unveiling happens in you where you realize every journey, every day, everything more and more, Christ is in me. Christ is in me. And isn't that what glory to glory is? Appearing to appearing. We keep going a little deeper, a little deeper, understanding it a little more. And it's not the idea that I get more of God. I have all of him, but the veil begins to be removed from me. And after that, in verse or chapter 2, Paul's just talking about he's going to go to the Laodiceans. And he said that he has such a passion to talk to them that they would be knit together in love. And they would have the riches of the full assurance of understanding with the acknowledgement, this mystery, that Christ is in them. And so he wasn't there trying to save Laodicea. He was there trying to get Laodicea to the point that they would acknowledge and say, we get it. Christ is in us. That's the understanding. And I feel like in evangelism and salvation, that makes it so much easier. In my experience, if I'm talking to someone and I'm just looking for the acknowledgement of the understanding, wait, God is in me? Christ is in me? Yes. Once they get that, it begins to unveil something in them. When they begin to realize, if they think they're separate and far off, you're not doing very well with them, you know, because they have to do all this work to get to him. But when you say he is among you, he's with you, then they just have to begin to unveil the covering that's over their heart or their eyes. Um, And that word doxa for glory, the Hebrew version for glory was kavod, which we all know. And the picture for that is a hand, a tent peg, a metal peg, a doorway, and a tent. And the Hebrew, I was just reading through it, the Hebrew we're translating that is, his hand is covering you, and he's bound you with that tent peg. You are pressed into him and part of his house, and in that doorway, but the doorway continues to be opened. It says it has a, a, an annotation as if the door opens constantly, which is the uncovering. We get to a new doorway, it opens. We realize something new about him, a new veil is taken off. And um, 
this is what I've been meditating on all, all week. Um, and to be really quick about it, and, and this, uh, I'm sorry this is on the recording. This might challenge some people. But, uh, sorry, a couple of years ago, <laughs> uh, we were teaching a new beginner's class for salvation. And we were just kind of people that had no uh, historical understanding of the Bible at all at Warcry. And so I was kind of giving the rundown of Moses and Egypt and la, 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 you know, and kind of doing it. And while I was teaching it, the Holy Spirit was like, do you know why I gave him the law? And I was just like, yeah, you know, because they went... And he's like, because of Egypt. Go read about Egypt. So for a couple of years, I studied Egyptian culture, their religion, their gods. And you're thinking, they're there for 400 years. They could not help but begin to imitate the culture they were in. And they didn't hear God's voice. They didn't have a way to worship him. And they had immersed themselves into this culture. And in Egypt... You, a pharaoh was someone that went between you and the gods. Now, if you think about it, Abraham didn't have anybody go between him, did he? He went and talked to God, didn't he? He was just talking to God. But something changed in there. Pharaohs believed they had to be the go-between between their deities. Just common people couldn't approach it. That's why pharaohs always had this elitism. Well, we're the guys that can talk to gods, not you. And so here... These children of Israel begin to get a mentality. We can't approach God or the gods. We're, we're nobodies. They get out in the wilderness. And God's saying, hey, I'm up here. Y'all come up here. And they're like, we're not going up there talking to the God. We can't do that. We're not allowed. We're nobodies. And that's why they made a golden calf. Come on, let's do something, guys. This guy might be mad at us. That was their, the culture they had immersed in it. But God, in his graciousness and his goodness, said, okay, we'll go the long route. But I will show you that I am among you and in you. And he gave them what they were used to, the law. He gave them feasts. He gave them all these things that imitated the culture that they came out of. And in this journey to lead them back to him. And then, like you said, those 400 years of nothing. Now, 400 years in Egypt as slaves and then 400 years before Jesus. No conversation. It was that dark place again. And then here came Jesus. And... The neat things about it is he was saying the feasts are in Jesus. Everything's in Jesus. Types and shadows in Jesus. If you look at the construct of the temple, it was built like a human body. Um, It said that there were these two hallways that went up on two different sides like legs. It went into the first chamber. Then you had the second chamber like the abdomen. This part was the holy of holies. It had the... um, mercy seat, which had the cherubims and cerebids, which was where we get the word cerebral or brain. And it's all dwelling in there. You had a veil that covered the mind before you went in the Holy of Holies. And here Jesus comes and the veil is rimped from the top to the bottom. And he's saying, there is no separation anymore. I am in this whole illusion we've been living in that you're separate from me is gone because I have now come. And then him telling the disciples, hey, don't, you don't want me to stay here in my physical form. There's something greater. The energy of the spirit, the power of the spirit. If I leave in this physical form, all you've got is me in the physical. But if I leave, here comes the Holy Spirit to awaken you and realize you've had me all along. I have been a part of you all along. And um, that's the mystery that we're meant to reveal. Christ is in you. The energizing one, the creator, the one who is before all time is in you. He's always been in you. Let's have the uncovering. And I feel like that that is our walk in Christ is 
I mean, haven't we all had those experiences? I know I have where it's like, I'm saved all over again. I'm just like, man, I thought I knew you. And here we are. It was an unveiling, like a bride walking before her groom and he lifts the veil up and there's the bride. We have that experience over and over and over again until we are just like him, perfected into him. Um, And I I liked what you said too about the equal parts um, because the Lord had talk to me because I grew up very much in a culture of you didn't exist. It was all Jesus. So, you know, I grew up very much. You didn't matter. Anything you wanted didn't matter. Your likes and dislikes didn't matter. It's just Jesus. So you don't, you don't matter at all. And that's like a depravity religion teaching of you're just worms and dung and you just don't deserve anything. And the Lord has really pulled me out of that over the years. But he began to really speak to me as we're one. I'm like, yeah, I know. He goes, no, we're one. Yeah, I know we're one. No, we're one. And I didn't get it until Brent was pursuing, trying to start a business, was getting a business loan. And the lady was talking to us. So she's like, are you going to be on the loan? I'm like, oh, no, I don't know. This is his thing. And she's like, well, because if you would be 51% owner and Brent 49%, then you could get more grants because you're a woman. Instead of it being like a 50-50 thing, you'd be 51, and it'll actually be your business, and they'll give you more. And I was just thinking about that. I'm like, just 1% more, and I own the whole thing. <laughs> like, it's pretty good. <laughs> like, but it made me think of what is oneness? One is 50-50. There's equal parts. And it doesn't mean Jesus and I are equal, Like as in, I am just, I am Jesus and and blah, blah, blah. It means that we are in this together equally. I'm putting my 50% and he's putting his and we're all completely in this together. And if I start doing it my way through my works and labor, well, that just kind of starts inching it up a little that he, he's not involved. But if I sit back and go, it's all you, Jesus, I ain't gonna do nothing. Then it's not equal either. It's us together of the same mind of the same spirit moving together, so... That's all I got. That's it? That's it. Praise God. I'm glad uh, somebody understood what I said. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So, let's pray and then we'll do our declaration. Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part and to do our part. Father, I believe you that you are sending more, doing more, and raising up in this time, Father, of people who will pursue you, who they will know you in your goodness. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we have given back to the Lord a portion of what He has given us, we declare that He teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory. We bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And as he blesses us, his way becomes known on the nation, among nations, all nations. Lord, we are believing you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off, and transfer of wealth. 
prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil, and our coffers with gold. Expenses decreased, blessings increased, heavens opened, earth invaded, signs, wonders, and miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for more than enough so we can live into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, and see Jesus get his full reward. Amen.